This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Lord, our gathering is unto you. And every time we come gathered like this, Lord, we want to leave with a nugget of wisdom and truth that will help us in our walk with you. Therefore, Lord, I commit the word this morning into your hands, that, Lord, by yourself, you will speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest teacher. Uh, whatever I have omitted, Holy Spirit, I pray you will fill in and speak to the heart and mind of your children in the mighty name of Jesus. May you receive understanding today and receive clarity in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is very good to be back home. Uh, one thing I can tell you, as I have been doing a lot of reflection, and as I've been reflecti uh, reflecting, one of the things I have found out is that God has proven beyond reasonable doubt to us in Salvation Center that he is a God that prospers. If that is your testimony, I want you to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You are being nice. You know, I know it has not touched everybody yet. Some of the hallelujah is by faith. But that's okay. Because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may think or ask of him according to his power that is already at work in us. So I have seen that, and in fact this morning, uh, somebody came to my office and said, Pastor, God did it, you know, and shared a fantastic testimony uh, with me. Uh, I'm sure that testimony, which is a financial one, got a brand new job, fantastic job, uh, he's going to be making like four or five times whatever he's making currently. I think that is good. It is good to clap. <laughs> because as you celebrate that person, yours will come. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And there's a tendency to want to make God like the slot machine. Where the only value of God to you is money. And it's important that we are very, very careful about that. Because your life and my life is beyond dollar and cents. If all you're living for is dollar and cents, I say I'm sorry for you as an individual. Because in fact, the Bible says we are of all men most miserable if our faith ends here on earth. So there's more to your life than dollar and cents. Can you say that about yourself? So as we began the second half of the year, the Lord laid on my heart that we should fast. And one of the reasons the Lord laid that on my heart is so that we can pause. You know, what I've realized is very, very easily we all get caught up in the rat race. You know, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? How are we going to pay all the bills and all of those kind of things, you know? It is very important that we catch ourselves 
quickly. You know, because in, in, in a bid to make a living, we can forget the whole purpose of life itself. And that's very important for us to understand. So a time of fasting, if you fast properly, is a time of reset. Because when you are not eating, <laughs> there are certain pleasures that just goes away from you. You know, when you are hungry, you know, some things, that they just don't work. You know, so a time of fast is a time of reflection. Amen? A time you go back to God and seek to discover his purpose for your life. Amen? Amen? Purpose is very key to life. Very, very key. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 9, the Bible says, as God did frequently, one evening in the cool of the day, he came to the Garden of Eden and he was asking Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Can we please pause a moment and reflect on that question? Adam, where are you? The first question is, who is asking? Who is asking? God. Okay. So we, are, we have agreement on that. So God is the one asking, where are you? Can I tell you a little bit about the God that is asking the question? Number one, this God is omnipresent, meaning is present everywhere. In fact, the psalmist put it in uh, Psalm 139. It, it says, even in hell, it is present there. And that's the one asking, where are you? Not only is he omnipresent, let's say, okay, he was not present with Adam. Is omniscient. What does that mean? He has all knowledge. He has all knowledge. And he's asking Adam, Adam! Where are you? That is not a question about location. God is not, Adam is not lost to God. His, his, his location was not lost on God. God is not looking, ah, ah, where is Adam? Ah, he used to be here. No, he's over there. No, 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 that's not the question. The question that God was asking of Adam is, Adam, I created you and I gave you a specific purpose and I gave you a set of specific instructions. Where are you relative to your purpose? That's okay, it's locomotive, but I'll take it. <laughs> Amen? The same question applies to you and I today. Koye! Where are you? I called myself, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Amen? Sunday, where are you? Abimbola, where are you? Audi, where are you? TJ, where are you? Tony, where are you? Where are you relative to the purpose of God for your life? Some of us have been saved 10, 20, 30 years. Amen? Relative to your chronological age as a child of God, where are you? 
The Bible says in 2 uh, Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. My question to you is, are you growing in grace? Have you been growing in the knowledge of the Lord? I started with the, I started by telling you what the Lord has done. Because one of the things we can relate with very well in today's church is prosperity. And in this church, I'm not talking about uh, some other place. In this church, God has proven that. Unfortunately, that prosperity is causing some people to draw back. Now they don't have time. I have meeting, I have this, I have that, I have to do all those things that I have to do that God has blessed us with has become a thorn in our flesh. Friends, as I speak this morning, I speak to myself all uh, as well. I am reflecting. This, these are my reflections that I'm sharing with you. Amen? For me personally, God has been gracious. God has helped me redeem my time. And I know he has done the same for you. Ephesians chapter 5, you read from verse 15 and 16, uh, the King James Version. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? It means to be careful how you live your life. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The question I have for us this morning, today's sermon, I, I will understand if you are not excited and jumping up, because it's something that I want you to really and truly reflect upon. Praise the Lord. The question for me is that, for me personally, God has, trust me, God has been very good. Friends, to pastor a church for one year is not a joke. If God has helped you for 19 years, you must show gratitude. Not a joking matter. So the question I'm asking myself is, Lord, is this all? Is this all? God has done a lot. You know the song. You've done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me, and I'm asking, Lord, what more? There's got to be more. A God that is so great, a God that is so mighty, there is so much more he can do in my life and through my life. So I'm not sitting back on my horse and saying, oh, God is good, hallelujah. Let's... No. As we are sunsetting in one area, we are sunrise in another area. Amen? For someone that has been single, they finally get married. Now they have changed from single to married. And then now that you're married, before you know it, you transition from just being married to being parents. Amen. As you are sunsetting in one area of your life, 
a sunrise in another area of your life. You know, a few months ago, I, I listened to a podcast. I, I, I was sharing this during the week with uh, those that came for prayer. I listened to a podcast, not a Christian channel or anything like that. Matter of fact, it was somebody at my job that shared that link with me. So I went and I listened. You know? And uh, so this guy, the host of the podcast, was interviewing some other guy under 30. In fact, the way he introduced him was that guy was the richest man under 30. He's a billionaire. He's, under, he's not 30. He's a billionaire. You know? And the title of the podcast, again, remember, this is not Christian podcast. The title of the podcast was Earning to Give. Earning to Give. And it was about people that have made commitments. That, uh, they are called altruists. An altruist is a person that has dedicated their life to selflessness. Praise the Lord. They have dedicated their life to selflessness and they are not selfish. In fact, many of them have made a commitment that throughout their life, till they die, their goal is to be able to give away everything they have amassed. You know, so <laughs> let me put it in perspective. We're not talking of you have $10,000 in the bank account and the children are grown and everything. And I said, well, the balance in my <laughs> give to this charity. No, no, no. These are billionaires. Warren Buffett has made a similar commitment and I think uh, uh, Bill Gates as well. These are non-Christians. You know what they found? They found out that when you have amassed all the wealth, you ask yourself, so now what? Now what? They couldn't find any other purpose to live for. They said, okay, I'm going to give away everything that I've amassed. There's an example like that in scripture. Let's read from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And don't worry, I know I'm not finishing today. This is just introduction. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we read from verse 13. I wish we can read the whole of 1 and 2 because it, it, it makes the point beautifully. But when you get home, you can read it. Say, I devoted myself, this is King Solomon now. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I have soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun and really it is all we are reading Bible together now say it loud don't be afraid it is what meaningless like chasing the wind next verse I observed everything going on under the sun and saw that it was meaningless you say what is wrong cannot be made right and what is missing cannot be recovered next I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. 
This is someone that is reflecting on his life. Talk about accomplishments. Talk about the stuff that you and I are chasing today. This is somebody that has accomplished it and is reflecting on everything and is writing to us for our learning. He said, I said to myself, okay, you can't keep, let's stay together. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who have ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and foolishness or folly. I, I, I said I'm, I'm going to study everything in between and, and on both extremes. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is what? Next verse. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge increases sorrow. Let's jump to chapter, chapter 2. In chapter 2, he begins to recount his accomplishments. If you read from verse 1, he said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. This is for my party people. Let's party. Let's enjoy life. Let's party. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found this too was meaningless. Let's jump to uh, verse 9. Let's jump just for the sake of time. When you read the in-between, he said, I decided to build big houses. There was no satisfaction. I have all the wealth in the world. There was no satisfaction. You know what his problem was? Everything he was putting together, he was putting together for himself. The only sea that is named dead, the dead sea, is a sea that does not flow out anywhere. He just receives just receives. Just receives. The altruist group, what they have determined amongst themselves, remember, these are billionaires. We're not talking about regular folks here. These are billionaires and they are not Christians. Okay? What they have determined amongst themselves is they will begin with 10%. <laughs> Somebody getting the drift. They will begin with 10% pre-tax of all their income, of all their earnings. They will give to charities that are doing good. And they will continue to increase until they give everything away. So I ask myself, what is wrong with the church then? What is wrong with the church? Let's continue reading Solomon. Ecclesiastes 2 from verse 9. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. In fact, I like the old, old King James rendering of this. Can we see that in uh, KJV? Verse 10. 
real quick. If possible, anybody, you can read it if you have it. Okay. He said, whatever I wanted, I didn't deny myself for this. He had the money. He had the resources. He could do whatever. Is, and whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. If he sees a beautiful woman, grabs her. That is why he had how many wives? And how many concubines? A thousand women in his life. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> if it's possible to marry half a wife, I will marry half. So I can really fulfill all. <laughs> this guy. A thousand. A thousand. But let's keep going on before I get into trouble. <laughs> Verse 10. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work. A reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was what? Meaningless. It was all meaningless. All meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. The point I want you to understand today is true joy and satisfaction can only be found when you discover God's purpose for your life and you are walking in his purpose for your life. You buy all the cars, get all the this, get all the that. Do you know statistics, studies have shown, statistics, go check record, Google, Google the information. More rich people commit suicide than poor people. Because you thought when I get all this money, I will be happy. This vacuum will suddenly disappear. But then they get all the money, they, they are there, and they are still sad and sorrowful. Say, so you know what? There's nothing worth living for. Boom, they just kill themselves. What am I saying to you today? There is better about your life. There is greater about my life. Amen? And the discovery of that is going to transform your life. There's a quote that I like very much. I had it as my signature line for a long time. I probably still do. Whatever we do for ourselves dies with us. And what we do for others and the world remains and is immortal. How many of you have met Carnegie? Okay, forget Carnegie. Rockefeller. What do you know about Rockefeller? Do you know the education they have? Do you know if it was a PhD or a master's or a back? You know nothing about them. But you know about their good deeds. You know about their good deeds. Whatever, you don't know their house. You don't know where they are from. But you know, 
Carnegie, there's a scholarship by Carnegie, right? And there's a foundation by Rockefeller. You know all of these people only because of what they have done for others, not what they have done for themselves. You don't know about them, but you know about their good works. Mark chapter 8, 36 and 37 says, what shall it profit a man? You know that. Say, what and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The answer is no. Nothing is of more value than your soul. So, do you have any plans of nourishing your soul? Or is all about whatever pleasure my heart desires, I'm going to make sure I give it. I can promise you, at the end of the day, you will find no pleasure in those things. There's a story. I don't have much time. There's a story that I had many years ago of a comedian in a town. Everybody in town went to see this guy's show because he made everybody laugh. If you're sad, go to his show, you will come out happy. You know, there's a situation you just want to kind of remove it from your mind, go to his show, you will live different. Only to find out that he himself was a pitiful, sad fellow. He knew how to make everybody else laugh. He knew how to make everybody else happy. But when he got home, he was suffering with severe depression. Friends, he says everything is like chasing wind. The only thing that will satisfy that yearning in your heart is discovery of purpose. Very quickly, let's, uh, let's wrap this up and then we'll continue next week. Romans chapter 15, verse 29, is where the theme for the month came from. Uh, if you can show this in uh, King James or New King James, that would be nice. He said, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And I asked myself the question, so what is the fullness of the gospel of Christ? A couple of months ago, we talked about this. We, a few months ago, uh, we talked about the blessing. We talked about the blessing. We said the blessing, blessing is an empowerment. Somebody say empowerment. Empowerment, empowerment to succeed, empowerment to prosper. That is what blessing is. So if I say you are blessed, it means you are empowered to make success out of whatever it is you lay your hands upon to do. So when we talk about the blessing of the gospel of Christ, I want us to take a step back and revisit that, uh, that text. So number one, the gospel. Anytime you read the gospel, the gospel means good news. That's why in some translations of the Bible, instead of the gospel, they will write good news. As children of God, everywhere you and I show up, we must show up with good news. 
you cannot be associated. You can't be the one that when you show up, they know, ah, we know the, <laughs> the commentary about all the things that are not working out. So, ah, have you heard? I know how to stop those things. Say, <laughs> so is it about you? No. Is it about somebody else? Yes. Have you told the somebody else? No. Go and tell them first. I don't want to hear, have you had juicy G's? <laughs> I don't have time for that. Those kind of G's, they pollute your heart. Like you have no idea. Anyway, let's, let's leave that alone. As a child of God, we have the knowledge of the good news that God has given. That Jesus came and died. That is good news. When was the last time you told anybody that Jesus died for them? We talk about everything else but the good news. I know there are some people here today, if we start talking about the economy, you can educate me on the economy. The reason why the Dow is going down and the crypto is upside down and this and the market, the real estate market and you are living the life that uh, Solomon described to us. Say, I sought knowledge from wisdom to madness and foolishness and I found it's all meaningless. Breaking news. We all came empty. We came naked. Even if they bury somebody with their gold, you just invited <laughs> pirates to come and raid and take the spoil. They will exhume that body and take the stuff and it means nothing to them. They clean it up, they put it in the market, they make money off of it. The gospel is good news. Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, boy, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid to suffer for the Lord. Walking and telling others the good news, the gospel, and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. What was he saying to him? He said, don't be afraid to do the work of an evangelist. We like to quote scriptures that are convenient for us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the head and not the tail. Okay, you are the evangelist, not the seat warmer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you accept that? He said, do the work of an evangelist. Do you know telling, telling about Christ is easier than you think? Because there's something about your life, Ben, that God has done. There's one thing God has done for you that you can tell somebody else about it. I was poor, and now I'm rich. I was broke, now I'm not. How did it happen? Jesus. Who did it? Oh, my God. Wow. Who did it? It is easy to testify about Christ. Tell somebody. Do you know somebody died for you? He said, nobody died for me. Yeah, I can tell you about it. 
They can accept it or reject it, but yours is to tear. It is not your place to compel to believe. If you, can, if you want to compel to believe, you just present the gospel to them. You present them with the good news. Praise the Lord. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You know, I read, I went and read about Rockefeller, you know, a while back, you know, because as I was, when I reflect on those, on those guys and the meaning they have, the value they have added to the world, people that have benefited from their allergies, you know, you cannot but go back and be curious about some of those guys. There are some of them that didn't even know God, but they knew to do good. I think for some of us today, we take great pleasure in, you know, everything is on the phone. You just log into your account and you look at the balance. $1.5 million. Yeah! <laughs> look at me, what I have become. Shame on you. No impact on any life. Can you imagine a child, an orphan, that cannot afford to pay fees? And you just say, you know what? I choose by myself. I put it upon myself. I am going to pay your fees until you finish college. You see someone that is indigent. I say, I'm going to prove the worth and the value of what I have gathered. Because the true value of what you have is in what you do for others. The true value. If you are amassing to com consume upon your own loss, you will soon find out that it's all meaningless. Meaningless. Imagine how many people have become somebody today because of the foundations that are available for people to tap into. Even amongst us, there are young people that need help. You know, part of what I've seen is we, we become, we sit on the throne of judgment. So I know the reason why he's suffering. The reason is because he's not a serious somebody and I cannot waste my money. It's because God has helped you. How serious are you? I gave the example of Brother Ayo. Brother Ayo, I hope I'm right. He's the tallest guy in this church. What did he contribute for him to be the tallest in this place? He ate more beans than you. <laughs> you know, for him to not be going around and say, look at all the little people, all the short people. You know, like myself. I'm taller than a number of people here. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you I'm not the shortest. <laughs> but can you imagine him going around and bragging, I'm the tallest in this place, and, and whatnot? Very quickly, with uh, uncle, you did not contribute anything. Even the genes that have caused you to grow tall are not your own. They were transferred to you. They were given to you. 
can we determine to make a difference in somebody's life? And say, I choose you. And I'm going to ensure that your needs are met. In the name of Jesus. Your reverse can also be true. And you know I'm an orphan. (laughs) When we are crying, we can also see. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Dr. Kemi did a presentation last year on Compassion International. Adopting a child. Adopting a child is like 140 a month. Huh? $35. Find a good course. Put your money to good use. If the Lord lays on your heart, and I'm sure he will, put your, invest in this. Let me tell you something. We have, there, there are so many, we, we had a meeting yesterday talking about the teenage church. The teenage church is meeting in my office. Some of them don't like going there. So they would rather serve in the big church. <laughs> you know, because they don't want to go. It's hot, it's too many people, they are not. There's a lot of good that we can do when we get here. A lot. A lot. All our transition programs, the things that we have imagined that God has laid upon our hearts to do. What am I saying? Stop reflecting on the balance in your account and doing a break dance because you are not taking a dime anywhere. Okay. So, the voice of preaching that you have just heard. Don't let me say it. (laughs) But thank you for the encouragement. Number two. Number two. So the first one is the good news. Preach the good news. Preach the gospel. Tell somebody about Jesus. You can. It doesn't cost you anything. Whether they accept, they don't accept, it's not your problem. You are not saying believe in Koye. You are not saying believe in me, in yourself. You are saying believe in Jesus. The son of God who came and laid down his life for you and for myself. Say, oh, the sin and all of those things you're struggling with. Jesus took care of it. You let him into your life, let him into your heart, and he will change you from within. All the externals you're trying to do to satisfy something is not going to happen. The second thing is, as a child of God, we're talking about the fullness of of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Number one thing in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ is to preach the gospel. Number two is the fruit of the spirit. Let's put our hands together for Pastor Joyce. She tore it up last Sunday. There's nothing else to talk about. But let me say this real quick. When you read Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you will see when it's talking about the gift, it's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Spirit there is uppercase, meaning it is not a product of your spirit, it's His Spirit in you that is bringing about that. 
Watch this. You cannot be an effective ambassador of Christ without the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the outward evidence of the presence of the Holy Ghost in you. Look at it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Are you patient with yourself? You can't be patient with yourself, but for the most part, when you talk about patience, patience is an attribute, a virtue you demonstrate when you are dealing with others. Many of us are impatient, myself included. It's just that now, God has helped me. God has given me grace. You know, if you know the turmoil going on inside of me as I'm looking at you sometimes, when you are doing slow, you know, but I've just learned to smile. You know, before you will read it all. I mean, ask them, April Alexis, they, they are from back then. AK, I'm sure AK sometimes is looking at me and saying, is this the same guy that was, you know, doing all of those things back then to us? But I've matured, you know, so thank God for my life. I've matured. You know, very impatient. As I'm looking, I'm like, get to it. You're, you're telling me, just, what's the point? Get to it. Oh, we got there, and then there was somebody sitting by the door, and then the other person now said, and that's not the question. Can you answer the question very quick? I don't need all of that. If I need details, I will ask you. But I've learned to be, what? Patient. I've learned to be patient. Self-control, faithful gentle. It's talking about our character, our godly character, how we deal and relate with the people outside of ourselves, in church and outside of the church. Many people are not kind. Many, many are not kind. So, before you begin to think about who is kind and who is not, can you ask yourself, am I kind? Am I patient? And this can be common amongst husband and wife. Impatience. She can't talk. You have tuned him out or tuned her out. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit reflects our godly character. I'm going to stop there. hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.